Hey everybody, welcome to Walk-Offs and Walk-Ons. My name is Robert and I'm going to be your host. We'll see how this thing goes. Uh, Just from the get-go, just want to reiterate a couple things that are going to be happening during this. This is primarily going to be a uh, show about football. Um, It's the NFL, NCAA, uh, draft, off-season, cover most of that. Uh, I'm going to dive into... The four major sports a little bit as well, uh, but try to keep a focus mainly on football. But, you know, sport fans, we don't ignore news and other sports. Um, just also a couple things about here. Uh, I want to keep this as a respectful show. Um, that being said, I'm quite a profane person. I love to swear, and uh, that'll be encouraged on this show, actually. Uh, but there will be no disrespect tolerated, no hate, no... Um, put downs of any person for race, gender, anything like that. That's just zero tolerance for that. I just want to get that out of the way right now. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. All right. So now after that speech about no hate on this show, I mean, no hate is in terms of discrimination. There, however, is a different kind of hate, like the one I have for Tom Brady. And we're fresh off the Super Bowl, so I might as well get my bias out of the way right now. I am an enormous Tom Brady hater. It's going to be a theme through the show. I'm not going to take try to take special time to bash him, but just so you know, this is a fact. I am not unbiased. I am completely biased about Tom Brady. And I don't want people thinking it's because, like, you know, I hate greatness or I'm ignorant of what he's done. I actually quite respect what he's done. Um... And, like, I'm not dumb. Like, I understand how great he is and all that stuff. Um, my hatred just becomes from a, a pure sports fan hatred of um, things he's achieved. Um, and in terms of me hating greatness, it's just not true. Like, I'm a diehard Alabama fan, and they, like, they're the only people who win even more than, the, than Brady does. So, um my hatred for Tom Brady stems from when I truly became a fan of football and started following it, which was the early 2000s, so when I was very young. Um, it was just a rivalry. Uh, my all-time favorite football player, like the, the man who made me fall in love with football, is Peyton Manning. And um, for the people who only been fans for a minute, would know that that was the rivalry back then when I started watching. Uh, it was Manning versus Brady. It was like Red Sox, Yankees, Habs, and Leafs. So, like, if you liked one, you hated the other. And I was the biggest Peyton Manning fan you could find. Therefore, I hated Tom Brady, and it's never stopped. And, yeah, that's all I really have to say about that. Um, so, you'll never hear me worshipping Tom Brady on this show. I will acknowledge his accomplishments, but that's about as most you'll get from me. Um, and just in terms of other biases, Colts fan, crazy, crazy Colts fan, but you'll hear me bash them pretty well as probably more than any other team because they're not, they didn't win. So I'm obviously frustrated with something. Um, but yeah, now on to the rest of the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl. <sighs> Well, it definitely wasn't what everyone expected. Um, I don't think anyone expected the Chiefs' offense to look like that, but 
it just shows you a number of things. One fantastic game plan by Todd Bowles, the Buccaneers defensive coordinator. Uh, the fact that they were able to get home with four uh, monster games by JPP, Shaq Barrett, and they were able to leave the two high safeties and just take away the deep pass for the Chiefs. They literally did not know what to do. And they made no adjustments. I saw Pro Football Focus had, um, I believe they said, 92% of the passes that the Chiefs threw. They did not leave anyone else in to help. So they had their backup tackles in there getting beat like drums. Look, look, there's a petition in the NFL right now to ban Mike Remmers from the NFL, who was the Chiefs left tackle on Sunday, because he was getting beat that bad. And so as a as a fan of the game, um, I, I loved the game, but I was so conflicted because I really didn't want to see Brady get another ring. Like, I don't think I can voice the depth of pain it causes me to see him win another ring. However, the way the Buccaneers played, like with the tough, tough, tough defense flying around, the way they ran the ball on offense. They literally just beat the Chiefs up in the trenches. And uh, anyone who knows me knows I love that style of football. Like, oh my gosh, it makes my heart happy. I wish Tom Brady wasn't, you know, the benefactor of it, but here we are. What I am hoping is that, uh, you know, in the offseason and going forward, um, people will try to mimic it. Like, it just shows that... Um, you win in the trenches, you win the big games. And uh, as a league that's headed towards uh, more of a space dynamic league, like um, the Chiefs offense all about getting the ball to your playmakers in space. Uh, it's nice to see a little old school punch in the mouth football. And um, it's about the one old school thing about me <laughs> is I love tough football like that. Running the ball. When in the trenches, oh, it just makes my heart happy. I think it'll also see that uh, play out quite a bit in the draft and uh, the offseason through trade and the free agency. Like, I think you're going to see teams really invest in um, the front seven on defense and um, on the offensive line. Because um, I was never someone who was terribly high on Eric Fisher, like the Chiefs' regular left tackle. When he went number one overall, Back in uh, 2013, wasn't really a fan of it. Um, and I think he's been average, good, uh, I guess, throughout his career. Never great, never an all-star in my mind, anything like that. But holy shit, what a difference put a backup in makes. Like, they, he got worked. You saw back-to-back -back weeks, Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul just absolutely brutalized backup tackles. So if we're learning anything, you're going to have some solid depth at the tackle position if you want to hope winning a championship. And um, this is something where there is definitely more demand than supply. Quality tackles are hard to find, and if you have two, you're lucky, let alone one you can bring off the bench. 
So I wanted to give out a Super Bowl MVP of my own. Because obviously Brady won it, and obviously I don't agree with it. <laughs> so Devin White, Levante David, Shaq Barrett. Honestly, couldn't decide between the three, so I'm just going to give it to Todd Bowles for the masterful, masterful defensive scheme he had going there. Anyway, that's going to wrap up what I have talked about the Super Bowl. So now um, I'm going to introduce my first segment, and um, hopefully this will become sort of a staple if uh, this podcast continues and sort of takes off. So I'm going to talk about the underrated player um, segment coming up. So basically what I'm going to do is I'm sort of a football nerd. Like, I'm not going to say I know everything about everything. I definitely don't. Like, I have a day job. Um, like, I have relationships, stuff like that. So, like, this isn't what I do, but it's definitely my hobby. So, I do definitely have more of in-depth insight than the casual fan. So, I feel like, why not share that with some people, right? So, basically, every time I do the underrated player segment, uh, I'm going to choose a player that... I feel deserves more recognition in the NFL and um, try to give, the, give them that recognition and hopefully, you know, um, maybe turn some more casual fans onto them as well. All right. So the uh, first underrated player I want to talk about is um, a man by the name of Justin Simmons. Uh, Justin Simmons is a safety who has played his uh, entire career for the Denver Broncos. Um, he was a Pro Bowl selection this year for the first time, um, and he, I think he's about to cash in big in free agency. So uh, basically what he is, he's a fly-around safety, like um, five interceptions this year, so he has decent ball skills, cover skills, get 96 tackles, so like he just does everything well. I don't know, you know what, better than well. He does everything very good. Um, I tried to hold the world the word elite um, for only rare cases, and I don't think he's quite elite yet, but he's definitely way more underrated than people give him credit for, and I think he's going to cash in big this year in free agency. Uh, there's also a very underrated stat about him. He's the only, only in the entire league defensive player to not miss a snap since the beginning of the 2018 season. Not miss a snap. And one thing you'll learn about me is um, a phrase I like to use all the time. The best ability is availability. So if you know what you're getting down in, down out, um, there's a tremendous value to that. And yeah, I think he's very underrated. I think he should be on a lot of teams' radar as someone like, and fans' radar as someone you want your team to pick up in free agency. And now... Um, we're going to get into a little bit of draft talk, but before I get too much on this here, because we've had such a positive session, I feel, um, with the underrated player, um, now I'm going to bring out another segment I'm going to do called the bust. So like the bust player, um, and then we're going to, so basically I'm going to go find, um, previous drafts and, you know, drafting is the most, like, inconsistent science you can find like there's so many factors and experts still get it wrong all the time but some of these are just like will blow your mind so um 
I'm just going to dive into one of those. Um, so for this particular one, I'm actually going to start it out with a three-piece. So we're going to go to the 2011 draft, which is known by a lot of people as maybe one of the best drafts, if not the best draft in recent memory. So um, I'm going to refresh you through the top picks real quick right now. So, and then we're going to find where my beef is. My beef is that there are four quarterbacks that go in the top, what was it, top 12? Yes, four quarterbacks in the top 12 of this draft. Um, so there are eight other players, obviously, eight plus four. Um, one quarterback has had quite a career. The other three bust, bust, career backup. So there's all this talent around, and people just forced quarterbacks, just forced them up, and like they weren't ready, and um, they just fell to the league. So I'm just going to show you who the talent was that these what were picked ahead and just behind these guys, so you can just kind of get engaged. So the 2011 draft, let's run it back. Number one, Carolina takes Cam Newton. Great pick. Um, you know, his career is sort of winding down now. He's not the player he used to be, but um, he was definitely the right pick there. And um, number two, Vaughn Miller. Don't really need to say much else. Like, guy's been a multi-time All-Pro. Um, great pick at number two, Marcel Darius. Multi-time Pro Bowl, dominant defensive tackle. Had some off-the-field issues, but, you know, like, Definitely worthy of the pick at the time. Um, A.J. Green, number four. Like, perennial pro bowler. Um, probably on his way to the Hall of Fame. Patrick Peterson. Like, very long career as a DB. Definitely, he's lost a step now, but he's definitely still a very good corner. Definitely worth the number five pick. Number six, Atlanta traded up to get Julio Jones. Like, we are talking about some ballers here, guys. Ballers. Number seven, San Francisco took Alden Smith. Now, it's a tricky one because the guy still does have a lot of career sacks and um, had some numerous off-the-field issues after quite a um, like phenomenal start to his career. And then the guy just kind of derailed himself off the field, but came back, played this year, played for Dallas, you know, started a lot of games. So, like, we're putting asterisks next to that one because... That still has a few chapters left in it. And this is where it gets interesting. So we've rattled off seven, well, six studs and one kind of stud. Tennessee at number eight takes Jake Locker, the quarterback, who uh, phased out a league in 2014. And then next, Dallas at number nine takes Tyron Smith, the perennial Pro Bowl, All-Pro left tackle. So they're the Best tackle in the league for many, many years. Um, he's had some injuries recently. We'll see what happens to his career, but definitely a steal at number nine. Number 10, another bust of a quarterback. Jacksonville took Blaine Gabbert, who, I mean, is still in the league as um, Tom Brady's backup. But, you know, like, definitely not worthy of the number 10 pick. Like, the guy just, no, no. So, and here's the real kicker. So, like, Cam Newton, obviously. You're going to take a quarterback. You need a quarterback. You got a Pro Bowl quarterback at number one. 
and all these studs go, and then these two quarterbacks who one was absolute trash and one's a career backup go. And then number 11, Houston comes and says, oh, thanks for leaving our guy on the board. We'll take J.J. motherfucking Watt at number 11. You're going to have your Blaine Gabbert and your Jake Locker. We'll just take oh, surefire Hall of Famer at number 11. And then uh, Minnesota comes up behind them and goes, oh, well, you just took such a stud. We'll have to take Christian Ponder, quarterback who, again, fades out of league by 2014. So there are just these studs everywhere and then just these misses. Like, this could have been the all-time greatest draft ever if we didn't have these bum-ass quarterbacks that got forced off the board. Like, the picks after. Like, Nick Fairley, I mean, he didn't have a very long career, but he was a stud for a couple of years. Robert Quinn, still playing at a decent level. Mike Pouncey, same thing. Ryan Kerrigan has been a very good player for a lot of years. Nate Solder. Probably done now, but had a lot of Pro Bowl years in New England. Corey Legit, it's great for a couple of years. Amukamara, Claiborne, like there were a lot of guys in this first round that just, even if you didn't hit a home run, like you at least hit a double. But man, there was some swing and misses at the top with these quarterbacks with all these stud position players around them. And, uh, now, when we get into further into draft stuff, I'm an advocate. Like, if you think a quarterback is your guy, you go get him. But, man, like, whoever was viewing these guys as, like, franchise saviors, just, whoa. Anyway, uh, I don't like to talk about too much negativity, so we're going to put a lid on bust for now. But the three busts for the opening episode, Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker, and Christian Ponder. And J.J. Watt's still here. So that's going to conclude episode one of uh, Walk-Offs and Walk-Ons. Thanks for tuning in. Um, for next time, we're going to see what we can do, try to sort out a few audio issues. Um, maybe it's my speaking clearly or uh, background noise or whatever. We're going to try to work on that. Um, we're going to talk about a few things because we can't. there's no shortage of headlines going off right now. So. The Pouncey Brothers' retirement, Trevor Lawrence's Pro Day, J.J. Watt's release, all the trade rumors going on. Um, maybe talk a little bit about some draft news. And um, also, I want to answer some questions. So um, I'm going to create a few uh, social media profiles here. And uh, if you want to drop some questions to me, uh, have me answer on air, that'd be awesome. Thanks. Thanks for listening.